Who's ready for the word of the Lord this morning? I hope you are. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. As you're turning there, I want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness with your tithes and with your offering. And I want to say thank you so much for those of you who've been giving every week or monthly uh, to our Build a Legacy Fund. Uh, we, uh, back last month, I believe, we started what uh, a lot of churches called a building fund as we are looking ahead to the years ahead. And we are uh, in the process of saving money whenever that door opens for us to get our own property or whatever that may be. And that's going to help us. And every, every dollar that's marked for that will go right in there and stay there until that time happens. So I want to say thank you so much for your giving uh, and helping us minister and prepare for our future. I'm going to start reading in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning, verse 35. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which, was, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God... You may receive the promise. I'm going to read verse 36 again. It says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You may receive the promise. The last four or so weeks, I've been talking about change, and I believe this is going to be the last message of this series. And I've We've just seen so many people saved these last few weeks talking about change. And today I'm going to be a little different. These last few weeks I've been kind of preaching. I want to teach to you and give you some basic, simple things that you can be working on uh, in this process of change. But over these last few weeks, I've been kind of driving home a few points. That I just want to go over really quickly about how God is that change agent. Whenever God comes on the scene, something is about to change. Amen. God never comes upon the scene and something stays the same. It's not the way that it is. And whenever we look in the Old Testament and the New Testament and the um, and the uh, miracles and the promises fulfilled, uh, he makes it very clear that he is all about the change, that he is the one that, that, that brings it to pass. He is the God of transformation. He's not just uh, the God of modification, but he's the God of transformation. Um, he is far greater than an alteration, a tweak, but uh, to, to the believer, he offers this process of totally transforming your life. He offers the believer opportunity for a metamorphosis, if you will. I've been calling it a spiritual metamorphosis. And whenever you look at that word metamorphosis, it means to completely change a substance into something new. It's the process of the caterpillar becoming a butterfly and earthly tweaks and little attitude adjustments that we may make for ourselves and carrying ourselves just a little bit different along the way can cause us to simply become a better version of ourselves. But how many of you know God doesn't want you to to simply just become a better caterpillar, right? He wants you to become like that butterfly. He wants you to get some wings so you can fly over some things, so you can get to some levels that people here on earth cannot get to. But that's, that's, that's what God wants for us, and it is for us. Uh, it is available to us even, even, in, this, even in this day. Um, and, and we see in the Scripture how God wanted us to have a visual picture of the possibility of our life whenever he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to earth. And 
Jesus walked on earth some 33 years and he was tempted like you and I. The devil even spoke to him like he does uh, us here on earth. He was tempted, uh, but he remained steadfast. He, he, he walked on the water. He turned water into wine. He defeated death as a picture of possibility for you and I. He was resurrection, uh, resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the Father. Um, he sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and to fill us. And then he looks at his disciples and he tells them, he says, go into all of the world and make people like me. He said, go make disciples, go make demon slayers, go make people that can walk uh, that can walk on the water. In other words, go make some people who can walk on some things that other people would drown in in life. He said, make some people that have the power of resurrection. How can people have the power of resurrection? He said, I want my disciples to have it in them that whenever they come into a season, it feels like death. It feels like they're trying to be overcome. He said, I want them to have some resurrection. I want them to be able to get up and rise above the very thing thing that's trying to take them down. In other words, he said, I want you to lead people through this change, through this metamorphosis. And today I want you to know that that change that he was talking about is still available for you and I today. It can happen to us. It can, we can be, we can get in this. And it's important to understand that a lot of times it's a process. One day a butterfly became a butterfly, but it took daily process to get, a, to get it to that day. Although it happened one day, it didn't take just one day, but it was a process. One day a butterfly became the butterfly, but it was a daily process that got it there. It's the law of process and so many times you hear me talk about process and often change doesn't happen in just one day. Can I get an amen? But guess what? It can happen daily. It may not happen in one day, but it can happen daily as you pick your feet up every day and say, I'm not staying here. I'm taking another step. I'm not walking that way anymore. I'm going to walk this way. You may not see that change that you want in one day, but change happens daily. Your joy may not come back to you in one day, but whenever you get up in the morning, you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. I may not want to today. I may not feel like it today. It may be raining outside today, but I'm going to make up a my mind today that my joy is there and every day I'm going to walk toward my joy. Why? Because the caterpillar doesn't become a butterfly overnight, but it goes through steps. It goes through the process uh, to move it into what it had the capability of always being because it stayed with it one day at a time. I don't know if you all know this song, but we used to sing the old song, One Day at a Time. Sweet Jesus, that's all I ask of you is just one day at a time. And sometimes we've got to realize that that, 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 needs, to be our, that needs to be our theme song sometimes when we wake up in the morning. Lord, give me one day at a time. I'm at this. I'm working it with you. Let me, let me praise you for what I see today. Don't let me complain about what I don't have, but let me praise you for what I'm seeing in my life today. Just one day at a time, sweet Jesus, sometimes just needs to 
to be our, 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 our song that gets us through today. I want to quickly give you about six things that you can be working on in this process of life change in, uh, when God starts dealing with you. These are some things that you need in your life to get a transformation in you. I'm going to teach some today, so get your notes out, uh, pen and paper out. One thing that you need, number one, is revelation. You need revelation. You cannot have a metamorphosis without a revelation. You cannot change something in your life until you get the revelation. That's not where I need to be. That's not who I need to be. That's not where I need to be going. Until you catch your revelation, it's hard to get the metamorphosis. Sermons like today can give you information, but it takes the Holy Ghost giving you revelation. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, jot it down. It said, I pray that eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. He said, I pray that your eyes be opened to see because you've been looking for, because sometimes what you have been looking for can already be present, but until you open your eyes, that thing cannot help you any. I don't know about you, but uh, if, if you have kids, and your kids are like my kids sometimes, I will tell them to go upstairs and get something, and they walk in the room and say, I don't see it, and they turn around and come back downstairs and say, I don't see it. I'll send child number two up. Go get it. I don't see it. And then they go back and I send, I send the baby up, number three. Go get it. And she's like, I don't see it either. And then I walk up there in about 10 seconds. I say, there it is. Does anybody have those blind kids in your house too? Sometimes they're even deaf. Come on. And you go and you're like, there it is. See, 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 they didn't, they, they, they didn't get the revelation of it. They heard me say going to get it, but they didn't open their eyes and see it. And so many times God is saying, go get it, go get it. And we're like, okay, I hear you, Lord. I got goosebumps today. They sang my song. It was good. I knelt in the altar. But sometimes God said, open your eyes and see it because the very thing I told you is laying right there. Do you realize that there are some, there are prayers that God has already answered? You just got to open your eyes and see it. And whenever you get that revelation that so many times it's already there, it just it, it, it makes everything more personal to you. Whenever you read the scripture and you have revelation, guess what? You can read John 3.16. People without revelation, they read, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish. And that's great, for God so loved the world. But whenever you have revelation, you start putting yourself into the Scripture. And you say, For God so loved me that he gave me his one and only Son. And if I believe in him, I will not perish, but I will have everlasting life. That's the power of revelation. It makes everything in the Scripture just so personal whenever you got it. The revelation makes the information come alive for you. And whenever I get that revelation, that change is not just available for you, but it's also available for me, that's when I can start to see miracles in my life. Get this in 2 Kings, just jot this down. The prophet Elisha, he had a servant. The servant was supposed to be there for him, but now he's turning around and having to comfort his servant. 
the, the, the servant has become so overwhelmed by the enemies that are coming against them. Have you ever been in that place where you felt like the number, many are they increase to trouble me? I sing that a lot around here sometimes. Ask Chase. Anytime I have a problem, I say, many are they increase to trouble me. I do a little Brooklyn tab up in here every once in a while. And I get there. Have anybody, am I the only person that feels like many are they increasing that are troubling me? And so many times, uh, Elisha was here with his servant, and the servant becomes overwhelmed by the obstacles and the enemies. And they were surrounded. They were disturbed. They were afraid. They were probably anxious. And then Elisha prays this powerful, simple prayer. He said, Lord, open his eyes eyes. Let him see that greater are they that are with us than those that are against us. He said, open his eyes so he can see that we've got a, we've got an army angels, uh, of angels all around us. And then the, the, the number before us may be great. God, but you are even greater. He was stressed, but he said, Lord, open up his eyes. He was afraid, but he, but he prayed, God, open up his eyes so he can see the revelation of it all that you are still here with us and that's my prayer for the church today Lord open up the eyes of the church let us not let us not our eyes be fixed on the news God but open up our eyes and let us see that even in the midst of chaos you are working but we got to get that revelation. Lord, we need revelation to get through the process. You need revelation. And number two, you need motivation. You need motivation. In other words, um, you, not only to need, you not only need to know what you are doing, but most importantly, you need to know why you are doing it. Why? What is your why? Why do you go to church? Why do you worship when no one else is worshiping? Why do you have the joy of the Lord? Why are you praying? Why are, why are you giving? Why are you serving? Whenever you figure out your why, then the when, where, what, and whom, and how begin to fall into place. Whenever you discover you, your why, you start really discovering what you are supposed to be doing by discovering your why. Why power is often stronger than willpower. Often your willpower will let you go, but whenever you figure out your why you get up in the morning and say I know why I'm getting up today I know I've got a purpose today you don't you don't worry about what everybody else is doing and so many times the changes in our life don't last long because we don't know the right why if you've ever tried to lose weight for a man guess what you'll probably gain it back unless you realize you know what I got to do this for myself whenever you start taking care of yourself for yourself a lot of times those changes last longer than whenever you start doing it for someone else. If you serve to impress me, if you serve to get on my good side, guess what? You will not get the full harvest of your labor. Why? Because your why is in the wrong place. There are even times, there are even times when your pain of your life can define your why. We hear the story in the scripture of a man named Jacob in Genesis chapter 32 in verse 26. The word says that he is literally wrestling with the Lord, not just in his mind, but it's like he is literally rolling around having a battle with the Lord. He is, he is working it out with fear and trembling. He is wrestling.
wrestling with the Lord. Listen, there are times in your life when you need to wrestle with the Lord. You need to say, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? You are working it out. You are figuring what is the why. And the word said in that moment that Jacob's hip became dislocated and he started walking with a limp. He was walking with a limp. And, 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 and that was in verse 26. And two more verses down in verse 28, the word says that Jacob still had a limp, but he wanted the blessings of the Lord. So what the Lord did, he changed his name to Israel. He said, you've been changed, but guess what? He still had a limp. And in verse 31, the next morning, the word says that Jacob gets up and he continues on his journey and he still had a limp in his step. I told the people in first service, never trust people that don't have a limp because if they don't have a limp, they're hiding something. There's no perfect person in this life. We all have a limp. We all have our thing in life. And so many times people ask questions, God, if you changed me, why didn't you take away the limp? So many people want to know that about Jacob. I think that's one of those things we may find out in heaven. But I think sometimes that God let, let him have the limp for motivation. It was for his why. It was to remind him, if I ever start acting like Jacob again, I better not go that way. But no, but now God has called me to act like Israel. Because sometimes pain is that motivator that clarifies your why. You need clarification. And number three, you need communication. Communication. There will be some issues in your life that God will use to break you from a spirit of independence. God will let you go through some things to break you of yourself. Who in here hates asking for help? Sometimes God will let you go through some things to bring you to a humble state, to let you know you can't change it by yourself. You can't do it on your own. There are things in life that you cannot change just to get you. To, he will let you see that just to get you to see that there are some things that you need him to do. And so often we feel like we've got the plan. We've got the friends. We've made the New Year's resolutions. We've got a five-year growth strategy. We've even got a Pinterest board we've, that we've pinned our life on. We went to Women of Fire. We go to conferences. We've, got, we've, we've read all the new books. We've watched videos. Videos, we've listened to podcasts. We've told Facebook that we are changing. We've got everything documented and we look like we have it all together. And sometimes I think God looks down from heaven and with his arms crossed and he's looking down saying, they must have forgot that it's not by might, that it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. And they're sitting there and they, they think they've got it all worked out. They've got the map for themselves, but they've not one, one time consulted me and say, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? They asked Dr. Field. They asked Oprah. They went to their therapist. They asked their pastor for prayer. But they've not once communicated with me. And sometimes I think the Lord is trying to remind us, it's not by your mind. It's not by your power. But it's only through my spirit that this can happen. And sometimes you got to communicate to get the transformation and when and when they understand that and when we understand that we need communication to make a change guess what we don't need the, 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 we we are coming into a time where we need strategic 
of prayer partners. We need people that have strategic prayers. We need to raise up a generation of mountain move moving prayer warriors. We need a generation that says, you know what? I'm not going to stop praying until I see it. We won't stop until we see it. We need some people that know how to pray seven times. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to stop until this wall falls. God in this time, he, is, he, is, he wants you to communicate with him. There's a difference in just listening and praying and talking to him. It, uh, I, I, I love this verse. David said in Psalm 119, 71, John, uh, Psalm 119, verse 71, just jot it down. It says, he says, it was good for me to be afflicted hmm. so that I could learn. Hmm. Sometimes your affliction is for a lesson. Sometimes God will use it. To teach, he said, it may not have been good for you to be afflicted. You may not have got anything else from that season. I talked about, I talked about working it to make it worth it last week. If you didn't catch that, you can, you can go back and listen to it. You may not have got anything out of that season. He said, but it was good for me to be afflicted. It was good for me in this, it, because it, it, was, it was good for me to go through the heartache. It was good for me to go through the pain. Why? Because it got me to the place where only thing that would help me is calling out the name of the Lord. It was good for me. So right there, number four, um, not only do you need revelation, motivation, and communication, number four, you need information. Information. The Bible says that my people perish for the lack of, of knowledge. Information, when used right, turns into knowledge. He said, my people are perishing for the lack of knowledge. Information is like your map. How many of you have ever... Or can remember the day before you had your cell phone GPS and you literally had to follow a map. It was not easy. You remember those big old maps that you would fold out like this and you're trying to get somewhere and you're this route, that route. You've got to turn around right here. If you remember that, that is, that is like information. It is like a road map to, uh, for you to follow. Information is your map. But the problem is that we have so many maps. We have so many sources of information that we are digesting a record amount of information at a record speed. But if you don't have the right map... You will get to the wrong place quickly. In other words, you will be lost. How many of you have ever followed directions? How many of you have a problem following directions? How many of you have a, how many of you, I see some, I see some fingers back there. How many of you have a problem with a sense of direction? If I get there once, I can probably get there again. I'm married to somebody who can never get there the first time. And she can never get there the second time. She still probably uses her GPS to get to our house from the church. That's just, bless her heart. She's real smart and pretty though. But she has no sense of direction whatsoever. And bless her heart. She needs that map. We all need a map to get somewhere in life. But that is, that is like information to us. When, when, how many of you have ever followed a map and you got there and you said, I ain't at the right place. This is not where I'm supposed to be. You were lost. That's why we call the world lost. Those of those who do not know Jesus. Why? Because they are following the wrong map. And they get to the place and what and the God's will for them. That's not where they're supposed to be. They have the wrong information. And you'll never get to the right destination until you get the right information. The word is your source of information. So many of us have wasted years of 
of our life by not going by the word. Think of all the issues in your life that you could have missed if you went to the word. Some of you would have never married that man. You would have never been that person's friend. You would have never got into that relationship if you went by the word of the Lord. And so many times we don't like following the directions. I told first service, never buy furniture at Ikea. It will rob you of joy. It will rob you of salvation trying to put it together, especially in German or whatever it is where Ikea is. Polish, what are they? Swedish. Don't do it. Do not buy furniture at Ikea. You will lose your salvation. You will lose your joy. Especially those people who think they know directions better than those that are printed. And you get all the thousand screws out and all the pegs. And you putting it together and then you realize you've done something wrong. And then you go looking for the directions that came in the package that you bought. And so many times that is what Christians do. We are looking for transformation. But we think we can do it better than the Lord. I know what I need. I know what friends I need. I know what job I need. I know what kind of man I need. I know what kind of woman I need. And before you know it, here we are sitting in a room full of parts from Ikea thinking, God, how did I get here? So many times. And then we Get there at the end. How many of you have ever gotten somewhere and you realize this is not where I'm supposed to be? I was supposed to be at the beach, but somehow I'm in the mountains now. I went the wrong way. I went the wrong direction. This is not where, because so many times you don't know that you're heading in the wrong direction until the end of your journey. Until you reach the end is up. This ain't Target. This is Kmart. This is Piggly Wiggly. I'm supposed to be at Target. And so many times you don't know until you've reached the end of your journey. And you look and you are at the wrong place. The map was not right. And so often we don't know we've missed it until the end. And that's the problem with people. Today, guess what? One day they will get to the end of their life. And they will say, I thought I was going to make it. How did I get here? It's because they had the wrong map for their life. They were not receiving the information from the Lord. And so many times I thought I was going to to make it through that gate but why am I going through this gate Lord it's because you were not following the right map transformation you need information number five you need application James 1 verse 22 says do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves it says do what it says it says do not merely listen but do what it says. Sometimes we assume that sitting in a service like this is application. It's not. They're having fun downstairs. I'm, I like it when I hear them. It lets me know that they're having fun. Amen. I'd rather, I'd rather have some noisy kids in church than have them noisy in the world. Come on, somebody. James 1, it says, do what the Word says. Do what it says. Sometimes we just assume that sitting in service is application. It's not. Sometimes we assume that because we said amen, it's application. But just because I amended doesn't mean that I applied it. 
Can I get an amen? It's not the word amen that changes my life. It's the word that I apply. You've got to be applying these things to your life to get a transformation in your life. And number six, band, you can help me out, is elimination. Elimination. In, in, in order for a change to occur, something has to go. Something has to go. In some cases, it's not something, it's some things have to go. In order to change some things, you've got to change some things. That's really deep, isn't it? In order to change some things, you've got to change some things. In order to change some things, I have to change some things. Question is, what is on your plate? Plate of life. Think of the things that you have right now that require your time and your energy. What's on your plate? And this question kind of hurts, but what are those things doing for the kingdom? Are you letting something steal your time that has no value? <laughs> I've been there. I've let people, I've let situations, I've let things rob me of my time because I kept them on my plate. That thing that keeps going through your mind, it's on your plate. What is on, what is on your plate? What are they doing for the kingdom? Will the things on your plate have any value for you in five years? Huh. When you get a plate full of food, you go sit at a table. Who is at your table? Who are you letting speak into your life that has no value that you should not be allowing in your ear? Who is at the table. What is on your plate? Who is at the table that you need to eliminate? You cannot have change until you do away with some things. You will never be able to grab hold of something new when your hands are full of the old. You've got to let go of something so you can grab hold of something new. Who is at your table that keeps eating off your plate but never replenishes it? in your life just sucks the life right out of you and they never do anything for you who is at your table that has been in a booster seat for too long they've been in a high chair since you have known them and you continue to baby them and they will not grow up what activity runs your life and runs you ragged The level of anxiety in America is astonishing. And you want to know why it's so high in America? Because what is on our plate? You got the wrong thing on your plate. And you are spending all your mental energy, your time, and before you know it, you are so anxious that you cannot even function. Because what is on your plate? 
What is on your plate that you need to get rid of? What is something you keep? What is something that is hindering you from spending a tithe of your time with the Lord every day? There's 24 hours. What's keeping you from spending 2.4 hours with the Lord? Is that right? Y'all smiling at me. Thank you. The choir agreed. What is keeping you from taking time with the Lord? Whatever keeps pushing the Lord off your plate, you got to eliminate. Because I've seen it. I've been in church all of my life. I've seen it. There's some seasons where the Lord is the, on the plate. And some seasons he can't be. Why? Because it's that season. I've seen it. We've got travel ball, travel basketball, travel soccer, travel football, travel cheerleading, travel soccer. We, you name it. And it's fighting for the attention of the next generation. And us parents, we want to be good parents. And we're walking around with the plate. And then we got another plate. And then we're trying to balance another plate. And we're walking around like this. And guess what? Usually the thing that we brush off is time with the Lord. Whatever you want, you can have. If you want it, you'll make time for it. I've seen it. I have seen it. I have seen it. I don't want to hear. I don't have time for that. If you want it, you will make time for it. Whatever is important to you, you will make the time for it. It's the way it works. You can't have a transformation until you eliminate some things off of your table. What is on your plate? What is on your table that is limiting revelation, motivation, communication, information, and application? Because those things right there lead you to where God wants you to be. What? is it that you need to get off of your plate so you can catch what God was trying to get you to see?